news and notes from day two of spring camp, and we're going to do our player preview on Eric Haas for the 2023 season, all today on Locked on Tigers. You are Locked on Tigers, your daily Detroit Tigers podcast. Part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. What is up, everybody? Welcome back to another edition of Locked On Tigers. I'm, of course, your host, Scott Bentley. Today is Friday, February 17th, 2023. Thank you for making Locked On Tigers your first listen every single day. We are free and available wherever you get your podcasts, including YouTube. This episode is brought to you by FanDuel Sportsbook, the official sportsbook partner of Locked On. Make every moment more. Visit FanDuel.com slash Locked On today to get started. All righty. Welcome back, everybody. Happy Friday to everyone. I hope you had a, uh, a solid, well, end of the week here and, and hopefully wishing a great weekend upon all of you beautiful people. Let's talk about the news and notes to come out of day two of spring camp. We have more and more hitters showing up. Miguel Cabrera reported. We'll talk about that. And then we will get into probably only the first segment will be the news and notes from uh, day two, rather, of spring, just because, again, there's not going to be enough to fill up an entire show every day, but we will talk about the few news and notes that there are every single day, and then we'll get into our regularly scheduled programming, which today is an Eric Haas player preview. Can't wait to talk about Haas for you. I think he's one of the more fascinating guys on the team at this point, kind of this weird blend of like only a three-year, like full everyday player veteran this season, but also like kind of a, a veteran as well, like in his later 20s. A lot of positional stuff with him. We'll get into that later. Let's start with spring ball day uh, days. I, I'm not sure where my brain was there. News to come out of day two of spring. As I said, Miguel Cabrera has arrived. Uh, that's a, a big deal to a lot of people. Very cool to see him down there. Uh, he's got like this little man bun thing going on. Looks pretty good. Uh, you know, for old time's sake, I don't even think this is true this year necessarily, but for old time's sake, let's just do this one more time. I think he's in the best shape of his life. I really do. And scene. Okay, we got that one more time. That's the last time we'll ever be able to do it. The last time we'll ever be able to say, Miguel Cabrera is showing up this season in the best shape of his life. I I am going to miss it. I'm going to miss that headline every single February. I really am. Because it's been a headline for what? The last like eight or nine years at least in a row? Maybe even longer if you go back to his younger days. I don't know. But definitely one of the, the more humorous inside jokes within the fan base and definitely something that I am going to miss amongst many things about Miguel Cabrera. That is certainly one of them. Uh, next up, we have Spencer Turnbull looks really solid. The coaches keep going out of their way to talk about how like good and, and healthy Spencer Turnbull looks, which is great news. It sounds like we talked about it a little bit yesterday with the health report, but it sounds like Turnbull is going to go into spring training with zero restrictions. Uh, AJ Hinch said that he looks stronger than ever. Looks really, really good. Kind of crushing it so far. Uh, I mean, I'm crushing it so far. Again, we're two days in and we're, we're throwing off mounds and it's, it's you know, drills and stuff. But uh, still, 
important to note that Spencer Turnbull, it looks like at a minimum, even if you don't buy into, you know, oh, it's coach speak, he's not actually stronger than he was last year. That's all fine. But uh, at a bare minimum, it looks like he will have pretty much no restrictions off rip, which is great for development and great for the start of the season because we're going to need innings out of him this year big time. Uh, talked about this a little bit yesterday as well, but it is worth noting again, in my opinion, that they're doing a ton of work with the pitch clock down there. A.J. Hinch, one thing you have to know about A.J. is that every single offseason, he reads the MLB rule book from cover to cover. That's something he, he does every single offseason. He does it every year, and they, they've talked about it before. So he is not going to allow this team to get beat off of the new rules. It's not going to happen. They're not going to lose games because they can't throw the ball in time. They're not going to lose games because the batter can't get in the batter's box in time. He is going to make sure that these guys know those new rules inside and out and make sure that it is not going to be an issue that costs this team in the regular season. And I have faith in him to do so. And that's just the biggest thing. Well, I've said the biggest thing about a lot of stuff. I don't want to be that person. But one of the biggest things for sure so far just two days in is how much they are using the pitch clock and really trying to hammer home you know, the, the work that they're doing with it so that nobody is going to get caught off guard. It's not going to be a new thing. And they are going to be very much, quote unquote, used to it by opening day nonetheless maybe even just like two or three weeks from now that that's the goal and i i think that hinch falls into that same mindset uh one of the bigger news stories probably the biggest news story from thursday and this is biggest i truly mean biggest news story from the the from thursday february 16th from yesterday is that weekday home games are now going to first pitch at 640 rather than 7-10. Last year, they had 6-40 starts in April and September, and then the rest of the summer was kind of the 7-10 starts. And it looks like this year, we're going a full season of 6-40. Obviously, there will be day games and whatnot. Uh, those aren't just going away. But the, the evening start time, the traditional evening start time, instead of 7-10, like it's been for a majority of uh, my life, it's now going to be a 640 start time, which as someone who covers the team and as someone who, you know, has work to do, has a lot of work to do after every single game, uh, I appreciate that. I, I'm I'm cool with it, but I understand that some people are, are not happy about it. You know, how quickly can they get off work, rush hour traffic, all that. Um, so certainly a, a change that is worth noting on the show uh, not going to have an impact on the field very much, but certainly impacts the viewer experience. Also, it, it sounds like Bally Sports is going to go under and file for bankruptcy here in the coming days. So there's going to be a lot of stuff changing possibly with the viewing experience by the time opening day comes around for this ball club. And guaranteed, one of those things will be uh, that games are starting half an hour earlier. So a little bit of a change there that's important to note. And the last thing coming out of camp on Thursday that I thought was worth discussing is that Michael Lorenzen will not hit. He was never going to hit, <laughs> like ever. Uh, I, I, we kind of talked about that a little bit 
on the episode in, after we signed him, when we kind of did a deep dive on him and, and talked about the player that he was. And, and obviously fans love to have fun and it's, you know, let him hit, why not? And the jokes about, oh, we would have been one of the better hitters on the team last year. Ha ha. Like, that's all very real. <laughs> it would be fun to have. Uh, he's never been a good enough hitter to be like an, a real like two-way, two-way. His his offensive numbers aren't that good. But uh, is someone that has gotten some A-Bs before and has gone yard a few times and something that when we signed him, people were like, oh, maybe he'll hit. And uh, he said, made a comment on day one on Wednesday where he said he has bats that are going to show up to spring and he wants to hit and – A.J. Hinch said to the media on Thursday specifically that Michael Lorenzen will not hit. So not a, a big thing. This this is not a very big deal. Like I said, he was never going to hit. But something that was kind of anywhere Michael Lorenzen goes, the fan base goes, oh, like, is he going to hit? How many at-bats is he going to get here? And so I just think it's worth noting that he will not be getting those at-bats here, uh, according to the manager himself. So uh, something something worth noting there. And and look, he let's let him focus completely on pitching. I'm, I'm all for it. So those are the news and notes from day two of spring. Uh, yeah, that's all I got for you. We talked about day one, day two, and then, yeah, on Monday we'll kind of just do a weekend recap of all the news that came out of camp then. But we'll probably do shows this way, segment one or, or as much time as needed. We'll just be talked about any news that came out of yesterday's spring training game or camp or whatever and then the rest will go on to uh whatever we're talking about that day for the foreseeable future that's player profiles so speaking of that let's get into eric haas but first i gotta tell y'all about our friends over at built bar if you're looking for a delicious treat but you don't want all the fat and calories you have to try built bar i've been trying to eat healthier this year i've been doing a pretty good job so far and one of the things that's helping me along the way is built you gotta try it you don't compromise taste just to eat healthy it's the perfect bar it tastes like a candy bar but it's good for you healthy and tasty what makes them so good well for starters they're covered in 100 percent real chocolate that's right 100 percent real chocolate they come in unbelievable flavors like churro peanut butter brownie coconut almond i'm not sure how Bill does it but these bars taste like a candy bar while maintaining amazing macros they're healthy, only 130 calories, 4 grams of sugar, and a whopping 17 grams of protein. And now you don't need to wait around to get a box. For years, we've been talking about ordering your Built Bars at Built.com. Now you can get them at your local Walmart or Sam's Club. Go to your nearest Walmart today. Walk to the pharmacy section, grab yourself some Built Bars. Get a four-bar box of the cookies and cream, the double chocolate, coconut puffs, or go to Sam's Club. Run in and grab a 13-bar box, brownie batter, churro. You'll thank me later, whether it's at Sam's Club or Walmart or Built.com. Go get your hands on some Built Bars today. All right, everybody, welcome back. Segment two here, Lockdown Tigers. Thank you for making us your first listen every single day. Uh, for your next listen, check on the Lockdown MLB Prospects podcast. So it's Lindsey Crosby. Is a prospect encyclopedia. He's going deep on the MLB stars of tomorrow. It's free and available wherever you get your podcast, including YouTube. All right, let's talk about Hasi, a fan favorite, local kid. Uh, grew up around the way from the city and uh, is now playing for the Detroit Tigers. Very, very cool. Last season, put up a 1.3 F war. That's Fangraph's war. 
6.8 walk percentage, 27.6 K percentage, a slash line of a 256 average, a 305 on base percentage, a 443 slug. That's a 748 OPS for those who can't do quick math like myself. 14 home runs and a 112 WRC plus that's weighted runs created on a plus scale, meaning that 100 means you are league average. You are a league average hitter, according to the formula of weighted runs created. That makes him 12% better than league average. Uh, so this was a, a really solid season for Hasi. So let's, I, I want to start with kind of the adjustments that he made from 2021 to 2022, because I feel like for a lot of these guys, we've been talking about so far how they stack up in their career versus last year versus what to expect this year. And for Hasi, you can look and see huge adjustments being made just from 2021 to 2022. And if he makes huge adjustments again, we could be in for, for a really, really solid season out of Eric Haas. So uh, just looking at a few stats, 2021, he had a 661 OPS against right-handed hitters and a 907 OPS against left. Did I say OPS plus? I just meant OPS. 661 OPS against righties, a 907 OPS against lefties. Okay, that was 2021. Last year, he had a 731 OPS against righties. That's an improvement of 70 OPS points. Very, very solid improvement just from one year to the next. But his OPS against lefties was 771. That's over, uh, that's what, an 130-point drop in OPS points against lefties. So made some adjustments and and was a lot better against right-handed pitchers, but was comfortably took a step back against lefties. Now, a 778 OPS is was still like comfortably the best on the team and is not a terrible number. That's around league average type of stuff, a little bit over league average, honestly. So like still a solid number. It's just, you know, two years ago when we saw a 900 OPS against lefties, he was crushing lefties. And, and, and last year took a little bit of a step back in that department, but probably worth the big step forward against righties and still being solid against both he was pretty respectable against both now instead of being one extreme and one extreme. So kind of to each their own, but I will gladly take, especially with how desperately we needed just offense, no matter who was on the bump for the opponent, I'll take kind of the, the more balanced approach that he gave us last year. Now, another interesting thing was in 2021, he had a 655 OPS at home and an 839 OPS on the road. That's wild because usually... Now, you know, pitcher's park, but it's a pitcher's park in the sense that Comerica is a pitcher's park in the sense that it it doesn't allow homers. There's still a lot of room for hits and a lot of room for for extra base hits at that. So that was kind of a weird development of 2021. And in 2022, he flipped them almost exactly. (laughs) He had an 800 OPS at home, just under an 800 OPS at home and a 698 OPS on the road. So just under 700 OPS on the road, just under 800 at home. I I think ideally you would like the OPS to be better at home just because that's where you're playing most of your games. But uh, at the same time, the fact that we know it's possible for him to hit really well at home and on the road bodes well for what we could get in year three. Maybe just bring them all together, baby. Why not? So last year was 
also really strange for him going into June. If you remember on this show, if you watched during that time period, this was a guy who I said on air, I thought was days away from being DFA'd or optioned to AAA. That was a take I had out loud on the airwaves, okay? And the reason for that was because on June 1st, he had a 494 OPS. On June 1, an OPS under 500. He was laboring at the plate. And one of the biggest reasons for that was because he was not getting very consistent playing time. And due to a lot of reasons, injuries, versatility's sake, etc., he started getting a lot more playing time and a lot more at-bats in June. And from then on out, had an OPS over 800 the remainder of the season. And if you go month by month, all but one month after May, he had an OPS like over 840. So it was a darn good hitter the rest of the way and just got off to a really bad start. If we can avoid, I, I we say this about the t- like every Tiger every year, but if we can avoid a really brutal start in April or May, we could get a really solid season out of Eric Haas. And so that's another reason that I'm excited about his season this year. Uh, a couple other just interesting tidbits I found. Uh, when he was batting cleanup, he had an OPS of over 1,100, which is nuts. And that's not really a sample size thing either because he had more plate appearances batting cleanup than any other spot in the lineup. So that's something to keep an eye on for sure. If that's just he likes hitting in the middle of the lineup or whatnot, he likes hitting fourth specifically. Uh, Look, if if last year's offense carries over to any extent, we're going to need any hitters we can get. And so that's something to keep in mind. Now, the We'll, I'll drop this stat, and then we'll go to break, and then we'll transition into our, our final point. When he was ahead in the count, he had an OPS of over 1,100. Nuts. Crushed the ball. Was like prime Barry Bonds when he was ahead in the count. Even in the count, 870 OPS. Really, really good. When he was behind in the count, he had a 336 OPS. Now, obviously, everyone in baseball, nearly – is going to have really good numbers when they're ahead in the count, solid-ish numbers when they're even in the count, and poor numbers when they're behind. But that is dramatic. You're talking about almost a 1,000 OPS difference from when you're ahead in the count to when you're behind in the count because that's how good you were when you were ahead and that's how bad you were when you were behind. So we're going to talk about the reasoning for that, the type of hitter that he is, and what adjustments he made last year that he can continue to carry forward this year and hopefully give us a really solid season of Ericos. Okay? We'll do that right after I tell y'all about our friends over at FanDuel. It's the midway point of the NBA season, and now is the perfect time to download FanDuel, America's number one sports book, because new customers get a no-sweat first bet up to $1,000. That's bonus bets back if your first bet doesn't win. Just download the FanDuel Sportsbook app. It's safe, it's secure, it's super easy to use. Then you can bet on everything from the money line, point scores, threes drained, all-star weekend coming up. We've been talking about it a lot this week. When we talk about FanDuel, they're going to have a ton of fun stuff for that. Plus, FanDuel even lets you combine your bets for a chance at a bigger payout with a same-game parlay. So don't miss your chance to get your no-sweat first bet up to $1,000 in bonus bets when you go to FanDuel.com slash 
locked on. That's fanduel.com slash locked on. Make every moment more with FanDuel, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. All right, everybody, welcome back. Third and final segment here. Locked on Tigers. I appreciate each and every one of y'all for tuning in. Thank you. I'm so pumped for baseball season. All these little videos of, of dudes taking batting practice and pitchers throwing from mounds and whatnot. I I can't wait. I can't wait. That spring training game is just going to hit differently, man. I, I, re- I really can't wait for it. So we're talking about Hasi before the break. We had talked about the fact that he was a completely different hitter when he was ahead in the count versus behind in the count. Like two unbelievable extremes. And I think you can see that within the data. And you can see how that starts to make sense. So last year, he was in the ninth percentile in whiff percentage, the 13th percentile in K percentage, the 14th percentile in chase rate, and a 32nd percentile in walk rate, which is not great, but the walk numbers, that is an improvement from uh, 2021 for whatever that's worth to you, Uh, even though the walk rate themselves were about the exact same. So league-wide, I guess people just walked less, but uh, still an improvement nonetheless. So when you look at those numbers, it makes you think that with the numbers that he ended the season with that were pretty solid, and with these numbers we've talked about, earlier on about how he has the ability to to really do damage and was really good for two-thirds of the season last year. It, it makes you kind of realize that he's taking advantage of mistakes, which is great. That's something that last season, not very many people on this baseball team did at all. And you could just throw, I mean, we talked about it. I, You know who I hated facing last year more than anybody was Joe Ryan of the Twins. Why? Joe Ryan's a good pitcher. He, he's a dang good young pitcher. I think he's going to be a thorn in our side for years to come. But when he would play the Tigers, he would just throw like 87% four-seam fastballs down the middle, and he'd go seven shutout. So, like, I, I appreciated the fact that Eric Haas was at least somebody that was hitting heat, and he was taking advantage of mistake pitches because not very many people did last year. Basically, he destroys... Heat, like I said, that was that's his biggest thing. It's been his biggest thing for the last two years. Why anyone still throws him anything that's like relatively straight and over like 93 miles an hour is kind of beyond me at this point. Uh, his overall hard hit percentage and barrel percentage on the season were well over 50th percentile. Like he was still crushing the ball when he was making contact with it. He just still swings and misses a lot. He still chases a lot. He still strikes out a lot. Okay, but he can take advantage of mistakes. Everything that baseball savant classifies as a fastball, which is not just forcing fastballs. There's a lot of pitches that fall under that umbrella. He had a 518 slugging percentage slugging. Yes, that's the right word. I don't know why I thought I screwed up there. 518 slugging percentage against anything that savant classifies as a fastball last year. Now, this is where we get super nitty gritty and it gets super, super crazy. Okay, so just like, (laughs) bear bear with me here. Okay. Let me riff a little bit and then I'll I'll try to bring it all back home in 2021 against. Now this one is specifically forcing fastballs. Okay. He had a hard hit rate of 60%. That is unbelievably high. A slugging percentage against forcing fastballs well into the mid five hundreds. Again, really, really good. 
We talk about also how last if, – if you were a listener of the show in 2021, going into the 2021 offseason, you remember my episode where I was like, yeah, I'm going to be completely honest, guys. I'm a little bit worried about Eric Haas. Uh, he hits fastballs really well, but he was awful against sliders, right? And now we're used to that. Again, we have another hitter that does that. We'll talk about him later. But uh, Eric Haas in 2021 was awful against sliders. Uh, he had an expected batting average of like 160 against them in 2021 and a slugging percentage of under 300, under 300, not great. So that was something that going into 2022, I was worried about. I thought everyone was just going to throw him sliders and he was going to be like SOL and he, and he was just going to be, you know, kind of hung out to dry, but he made a lot of really impressive adjustments in 2022 and I could not be more pumped about them and they, he did exactly what we talked about at that time that he needed to do if you look at his numbers against sliders in 2022 he cut down the k percentage by almost 10 percent against the slider uh the overall whiff percentage just any swing and a miss by three percent that's solid not anything crazy but still solid and, uh, I mean, put away numbers went down like five, 6% against the slider, like put away pitch percentage, just made a lot of adjustments, still only about like a 240 batting average against. And the slugging percentage was in the mid three hundreds. It was like three thirty forty ish, but that's a noticeable improvement. And, and when you're talking about like run value against, we love using that stat for pitchers and hitters alike. He had uh, it went up a ton. Like it was still a little bit negative, but it was like a negative 10 run value against in 2021. And it was only a negative one or two last year. So huge adjustment made it so that he wasn't just an automatic out against sliders, made it at least somewhat respectable, hit a few home runs off the slider. Great adjustments. I'm so happy for him and proud of him. And I hope that he can continue to do that next season. Now, what's weird about it is on the flip side, his numbers against four-seam fastballs specifically, we talked about how incredible they were in 2021, right? Just absolutely nuts. Hard hit rate really high. Slugging percentage really high. In 2022, he had an expected batting average of under 200 against four-seam fastballs. A slugging percentage of 400 exactly. That's not terrible, but it's nowhere near the you know 540 or 550 that we saw in 2021. And... The reason why earlier we were talking about, okay, well then why did baseball savant say that he had a really high slugging percentage and crushed fastballs? It's because they classify a sinker as a fastball and he embarrassed anybody who threw him a sinker. It like, these are the most insane numbers against the sinker. I think I've ever seen in my life. Um, he had a really good launch angle against them, which the whole point of a sinker, as we talked about uh, yesterday is to not have a good launch angle against, not give the hitter a good launch angle. And he had an incredible one. It, like it was, it would have been a barrel if his average exit below was a little bit higher. He would have been averaging a barrel against the sinker. Um, but his slugging percentage against was an unreal 643 last season against the sinker. He destroyed them. Okay. So, and it's also. Uh, there's not really a point in going too much in depth because he's uh, it's about net zero or a little like barely positive for the rest of the pitches that he faced last year. But for like all off speed, while he still was not great against them, he improved pretty much across the board against off speed and breaking stuff like 
like pretty much entirely across the board. And I, I, I don't want to just brush over that and, and not mention that at all. So my point being, if he can go back to crushing four-seam fastballs, the pitch that he is objectively going to see the most of this year, continue to hit any type of heat really hard like he did in 2022, and then maintain just like the head-above-water type of value approach for all the rest of the breaking stuff, or even, dare I say, take another step forward against breaking stuff, and again, not have, have a sub-500 OPS after May, we could be looking at a really good season. Now, I just said like four different ifs. I understand that I'm playing the if game a lot. I'm doing a lot of mental gymnastics, okay, to, to try to get to where I'm going. But the reason that I, I am bringing all these up is not just to bring them up. I, I bring up numbers that I think are uh, very intentionally. The, the numbers I choose for every single player in these breakdowns are, are very intentional because I, I think that these are numbers he can either maintain or continue to improve. And the reason that the, the proof is in the pudding with Haas, he did it already from last offseason to, to last season. So who's to say he can't take another step and make more adjustments? I'm very excited about Eric Haas. The last thing we'll talk about with Haasie, and this is one of the biggest storylines, I, I think, involving Eric Haas, probably the biggest, is where does he play a majority of baseball? That was a horrible English sentence. I promise I'm a journalist. Um, where does he play a majority of the season defensively? Okay. Uh, the safe bet is obviously just to say he's going to play a lot of catcher. Yes, he objectively will. It doesn't matter how many catchers make the roster along with him. He is going to play a lot of catcher this year. Absolutely. But I've said this before in this offseason, and I'll say it again. I think there is a non-zero chance that if Donnie Sands hits well in the spring and Jake Rogers looks like pre-Tommy John Jake Rogers and doesn't look like he's he's really rusty and needs to start off in AAA or whatever to kind of get his sea legs back under him, I think all three of these dudes could make the roster. Out of camp, maybe, at some point in the season, I would dare I even say – uh, like even more of a chance than out of camp. I don't want to use the word likely though, because I still think the safest bet at the time being is probably Eric Haas. And then whoever wins the backup catcher job, presumably Jake Rogers, but I, I really like Donnie Sands as I've said a lot this off season. Okay. So I, I, I'm not going to say likely. I don't think it's likely. I want to make that very clear, but I think with, the versatility that Haas has and with the fact that you Herrick Haas is making this team no matter what, just because he was the best hitter on the team last season. So you, you need that again, very badly. And so I, I think it's a lot more to do with kind of how Sands and Rogers look, but I, it would not shock me if all three of those dudes make the team. Now, defensively Eric Haas is either a league average or slightly below league average defensive catcher most of the time but his bat as we've said a million times already is very much needed in the lineup this year especially if this year's offense looks anything like last year's offense we're going to very much need Eric Haas um this offseason Scott Harris did make a comment where he said he wanted more right-handed hitting outfielders because all of the outfielders we had in like December were all lefties 
And they did bring in some, right? Like Veerling and, and Mayton was probably going to get some looks in the outfield and whatnot. So they did bring in some dudes that are right-handed hitting and can play the outfield. But I still think they want the ability to, to mix and match more and have that versatility top to bottom. And so I think, again, that that's just another reason why I really could see Eric Haas getting – I'm not saying he's going to be the everyday starting left fielder. I don't want it to come across as that. But in an extremely lefty hitting outfield where they want to add a right-handed hitter and they have, again, last year's best hitter on the team can play corner outfield. If you look at his defensive metrics, Haas's defensive metrics in his, granted, very limited playing time in the corner outfield as a pro – they're positive. They're like, like, like he's a positive, has been a positive defender and an above net zero defender in like left field, in the corner outfield positions as a pro. So again, I am in no way, shape or form trying to tell you that Eric Haas is going to be an everyday corner outfielder. And I'm not telling you that that catcher isn't going to be his most played position by the end of the year, because it absolutely will be. I'm just saying that I think there's a lot of room for versatility here. I think that only helps the team. Uh, and if one of those other two guys, or both of them, I guess I should say, kind of has a nice spring and looks solid, I don't think this team is going to be afraid of rostering all three of them. And that has everything to do with how good of a hitter Eric Haas has been over the last two years and how surprisingly solid of a defender he has been when put in the corner outfield so far. Cool? I think that's all I got. Thanks for making Lockdown Tigers your first listen every day. For your next listen, check on the Lockdown MLB Prospects podcast. Who's Lindsey Crosby? Is a prospect encyclopedia. He's going deep on the MLB stars of tomorrow. It is free and available wherever you get your podcasts, including YouTube, just like us, baby. That's all I got for you. We will be back on Monday. So glad we're doing this five days a week again. So happy. Baseball is almost back. It's right there. Spring training games by the end of the month. World Baseball Classic, early March, end of spring training. After that, roster cuts and, and well, options more or less. And that opening day right around the corner, baby. Oh, man, I, I cannot wait. I really cannot wait. I, I'm like, I, I'm fidgety all the time. This is like late February, mid-late February is brutal for me. I'm just like, I, I just, I need... I really need baseball to get back in my life on a, on a daily basis. So uh, we'll be back on Monday. Like I said, peace and love. Going to therapy's dope. And I'll catch you all then, baby. Go Tigers.